Make no mistake about it. This audio book does not fall into the category of grief and anguish. Both are most certainly present in large doses, but for me at least, the force of the book, the sections that carry lasting wallop, have to do with the strengthening of hope, the compression of wisdom, and, if you'll bear with me, the violation of a well-known natural law which states you only get back what you puts in. There are several elements that came together to forge this book. Let me start with the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp, not because it was the most important, but because it was there first. The name comes from that legendary hideout for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. The campers are children from 7 to 17 years of age who have or have had life-threatening diseases. I wish that I could recall with clarity the impulse that compelled me to help bring this camp into being. I'd be pleased if I could announce a motive of lofty purpose. I've been accused of compassion, of altruism, of devotion to Christian, Hebrew, and Muslim ethic, but however desperate I am to claim ownership of high ideal, I cannot. I wanted, I think, to acknowledge luck, the chance of it, the benevolence of it in my life, and the brutality of it in the lives of others, made especially savage for children because they may not be allowed the good fortune of a lifetime to correct it. But whatever the impetus, the place exists. It wasn't so much built, it simply exploded into operation out of other people's generosity. It magically collected everything, canoes, a swimming pool, volunteers, architects, doctors, fishing tackle, nurses, a pig, snakes, and an amphitheater, food, loyalty, an endless list. And letters. This one, sent home by a counselor, found its way from there to me. Quote, It's hard to explain how a camp for children with serious illnesses can be the happiest place I've ever been, but everyone here agrees that it's true. The counselors at the camp are mostly college students, English, economics, music majors from all around the country. Most have had no experience with special populations at all. Every session, volunteers join us from all around the world. Advertising executives, plumbers and priests, all giving two weeks of their vacation time to the campers. Most of the counselors come armed with a love of kids, a love of camp, a natural terror of disease, and a couple of books about coping with grief bought in panic the previous week. These books usually gather dust in the bottom of their duffel bags. It is true that the night before the campers first arrived, most of the staff walked around hollow-eyed, perhaps reading a Bible, or canoeing out to the middle of the lake to wonder why there is such a thing as sickness, asking each other frightening what-if questions. We braced ourselves for the tears and the fears of sad, sick children about to arrive. But as the first activity began, the poor darlings, who had been handled delicately all afternoon by their terrified counselors, each got a balloon attached to an ankle and were gathered together on the tennis courts. Their mission? To jump, leap, poke, and pop everyone else's balloon while preserving their own. Kids with crutches fly around, jabbing at everything and everyone they see. Kids in wheelchairs pop wheelies timed to the right second in perfect angle that will allow a front wheel to snag a balloon or a foot. The hemophiliacs, who should be avoiding bruises, roll around on the ground, clobbering one another. The counselors lose track, forget names, start to laugh, and begin to relax. What moments ago seemed fragile and foreign is the lone, triumphant teenager with the immense grin who has managed to keep the orange balloon at his feet intact. End quote. 